faithwire.com. China sends 200,000 troops to the Indian border in a major escalation between two nuclear powers. What's next? We're going to talk to CBN's George Thomas to get the full story. Today is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. I want to welcome in regular listeners from the CBN News Daily Rundown. We joined up with them, and every Wednesday you'll be hearing from us here at the 4 and 3 Podcast. I'm Dan Andros, and we will have this story and more on today's 4 and 3 Podcast, which is from CBN's Faithwire. We do four big stories of the day, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Joining me today is Trey Gons Phillips to break down all these stories from faithwire.com. Trey, what is going on? Happy hump day, Dan. Yes. Um, so for our other stories, we have Senator Tom Cotton. Uh, yesterday, he tore into Coca-Cola's VP for Human Rights uh, over the company's complete and total silence <laughs> on the Chinese genocide uh, in the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Uh, so not a not a big shocker there. And then I know you have an update on Simone Biles. Yes. And, uh, you know, what's going on there and the debate going back and forth over whether it was the right decision, the wrong decision, and, and where as Christians we should fall. Uh, and then also a, a good news story, a record-setting South African Olympian uh, is using her platform to share her faith in Jesus. That's a, a cool way to wrap up the podcast and one of those elusive good stories we're always looking for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that one. And the picture that we have up on uh, Faithwire's Facebook page right now of her is just perfect. You got to go check yeah, that out. So, so good. Awesome. All right, let's let's uh, let's dive right in here to story uh, number one. And China and India do share a lengthy border, and much of it is in the mountainous Himalaya region. There um, there have been border disputes between the two over the you know past decades, uh, but nothing really like the major clash uh, that happened recently that led to a massive buildup of forces from both powers. This is the latest in a series of provoca- uh, provocations from the communist nation that they want to impose their will on the region and possibly the globe. I spoke with CBN's George Thomas, and asked him to explain the story, beginning with exactly where this incident is happening and why. Yeah, so the border spans roughly about 2,000 miles uh, that separates uh, these two Asian uh, giants, uh, you know, both two of the holding the two of the most populated um, uh, countries uh, in the world. And uh, all of this sort of started last year, uh, a year ago in June, when the Chinese decided to uh, cross the border into the Galwan Valley, uh, and um, and and uh, took up uh, took some uh, took a piece of real estate, and to much of the surprise of the Chinese, the Indians fought back. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize that there's a there's an understanding between the two countries along this particular border that uh, troops, um, soldiers on both sides. Uh, will not carry weapons. They have no guns, no other artillery, uh, as they uh, uh, protect their individual borders. Mm. So when this attack occurred last June in the Galwan Valley, it was literally hand-to-hand combat. Mm. Uh, and uh, and uh, the, the Indians say they lost uh, 20 of their men. Uh, China, for the longest time, actually just a few months ago, uh, even admitted that they lost uh, any uh, uh, members of their of their team, 
Uh, and in the end, uh, they said they accounted for, they said they lost four people, but uh, most experts say that they probably lost a lot more. Uh, but again, there are about 200,000 Chinese uh, soldiers on uh, on the Chinese side. India has uh, beefed up uh, their personnel. They have also, they've matched the Chinese. In fact, just in the last, they also have 200,000 troops. Hmm. In fact, just, uh, just this week, uh, there was a report that uh, about 15,000 additional troops that were initially dis- deployed uh, to eastern Ladakh, which is um, uh, uh, on the on the Pakistani side of uh, Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, again, if you remember, this is a, an area uh, that uh, India and Pakistan have been fighting for for 50-plus years. And uh, incidentally, there are 600,000 Indian soldiers on the Pakistani border, uh, right? Because this is something that's been going on for, for like I said, half a century. Mm. So they moved about twenty, about fifteen thousand troops, counterterrorism uh, troops that were in the uh, on the on the Pakistani Chinese, uh, sorry, the Indian Pakistani side, and moved them to what's called the LAC, which is the line of actual control, what they call the border between China. And India again, just another uh, worrisome sign uh, mm. that uh, these two nuclear-armed countries uh, are continuing to fight mm. uh, sixty-plus years after they fought their first war, which India lost, uh, suffered a humiliating, humiliating defeat. Uh, here they are uh, still battling for territory uh, along the Himalayas. Yeah, and th- yeah, and this is what I was going to say was for people not familiar exactly where this part of the border is. You know, from the video footage in the in the report that you uh, have on CBN's YouTube channel, um, yeah. it's very mountainous, right? I mean, uh, like so Himalayas, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So you're talking about some very very high altitudes that these uh, soldiers on both sides. Uh, are operating uh, at, and so you have to, you have to acclimatize. In fact, when an Indian soldier, when a battalion or a particular platoon goes out to the Himalayas, when they get deployed, it takes them between anywhere between five to uh, 10, 15 days for them to adjust to the altitude. Mm. Uh, and so the concern was that uh, you know the Indians didn't want to be caught on their back foot. And so have moved additional troops uh, since last June. And also this is the spring season, right? So this is sort of the best time, yeah. best I use that in quotes, to, <laughs> to, to move equipment, to move personnel. Uh, and that's what the Indians have been doing. Keep in mind, you got to realize this. On, on one hand, for 50 plus years, India's arch enemy uh, has always been Pakistan. And so, you know, and even though India and China have had these tensions along the border, it was never an issue for the Indian uh, sort of security apparatus. Last June was a game changer. It really was. It was a Mm. huge game changer, changer. And the Indians began to realize the military establishment, the security intelligence uh, establishment realized that uh, they have a bigger threat uh, on their eastern flank, uh, not to underestimate the Pakistanis, uh, but the, the Chinese have, because of their their history and because of uh, many say Xi Jinping's, uh, the premier of China, uh, his uh, belligerent, aggressive, 
uh, posture since taking the helms of power in 2012, the Indians have realized that uh, China is a significant threat uh, and uh, they are moving resources uh, and, and troops and uh, equipment uh, to that border uh, in order to prepare uh, for uh, a potential, uh, you know, for continued um, uh, tensions along along the border. Yeah, and what is what do you think China's endgame here is? If you've heard anything that they've hinted at, or if there's any experts speculating, what what is China's purpose here to push the issue? Uh, and is this the only area where they're doing so? China has always, they call themselves the middle kingdom. This idea that they want to stay humble, they want to stay quiet, they want to, uh, you know, they, they don't want to boast about their accomplishments. And uh, they never, they were so concerned and very, they, they shied away from saying that they are an emerging superpower. They, they never liked those kinds of terms to describe who they were. Clearly, the China of uh, 2021 is very different from the China 20, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Mm. And uh, today, China is asserting itself, and they're not just picking a fight with the Indians. Just in the last six months, they've picked fights with Indonesia, Australia, Vietnam, Bhutan, uh, uh, the Philippines. Uh, they're claiming stake to the South China Sea. Uh, again, it, it, the Indians, rightfully so, very concerned about a rising China uh, that uh, that seems to be flexing its political as well as economic muscle uh, in the region. Mm. All right, CBN's George Thomas, thanks for giving us all that context and good information there. We will uh, keep an eye out on all your reports uh, on India and China uh, going forward. Thanks a lot, George. Thank you so much. All right. So the Chinese, they're taking a piece of land from India and India actually fought back uh, something that China really didn't expect. And man, it led to some some crazy escalation. So we'll be praying that that doesn't continue there because obviously two uh, nuclear powers. And, um, you know, that is the main reason why this story matters greatly. As George explained, you got two nuclear powers here, Trey. Uh, and China is clearly making a play to be the global superpower in the in the world and you know this is what communism does it's never content um so these incidents are not happening in a vacuum it's it, it's gonna impact us here in america eventually we'll feel it one way or another and maybe sooner rather than later yeah and you know i know daniel and i were talking about this before we started taping but the the way that this whole fight broke out and the way it happened uh, it's just kind of is other other world. It is. Like it's it's not really something that us in, in the West would ever. Uh, it's it's not something that we would be faced with necessarily. So to see it unfolding the way it is is fascinating. And of course, as believers, there is also lives lost. So we need to be yeah. be praying for that because it, it's just a it's a scary situation to see China. It's such a corrupt communist regime escalating its mm. relationships with places all around the globe. And it's just something that we need to be be praying for just uh, in light of everything going on yeah. globally, but certainly the stuff going on in China, whether it's about COVID or what they're doing to the Uyghur Muslims or how they're persecuting Christians, whatever, uh, as believers, we just have a responsibility, I think, to be be praying for peace there. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm maybe this is just the documentary nerd in me, but man, I really want to see the movie of what happened there. As George explained, yeah. those soldiers that they don't have they don't have weapons there, and then but then they had this this big fight, and you have dozens of troops dying on each side, and it's hand to hand combat. I mean, gosh, that's insane. That yeah, is insane. So crazy. just 
you know, it's all sad, obviously, but uh, just from a human interest level, I mean, that's it's like one of those things that I just I'd want to know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I would certainly be interested in knowing more about just logistically how that works out, how you do that. Just because, like I said earlier, it just is otherworldly to yeah. me to imagine uh, to imagine that scene unfolding. So, all right, Senator Tom Cotton, this is story number two. Uh, he tore into Coca-Cola's global VP for human rights, Paul Lolly, during a Senate hearing yesterday. He condemned the company, which has been very vocally to the left in American politics, for refusing to speak out against the corruption in communist China, uh, namely the country's reported genocide against minority Muslims, the Uyghurs. So both the Biden and the Trump administrations agree China is guilty of genocide against the Uyghurs. Nevertheless, Beijing is slated to host the Winter Olympics next year, and Coca-Cola, alongside several other uh, major corporations, has not petitioned the International Olympic Committee for a change in location or even a postponement uh, of, uh, of the Olympics. So Cotton, during his questioning of Lolly, pointed out that Coca-Cola has no problem speaking out boldly against Republicans for passing voter integrity laws in Georgia, uh, but can't bring itself to condemn corrupt communism in China, where it has strong economic ties. So for those who might not remember, back in March, Coca-Cola's CEO, James Quincy, he was out there slamming the Georgia legislation as unacceptable, wrong, and a step backward, uh, but has been pretty mum on China, and that Mm. continues to this day. So here's Senator Tom Cotton uh, questioning Lolly on Coke's silence in China. So you're sponsoring the Genocide Olympics. You are spending millions of dollars to sponsor the Genocide Olympics, yet you will not opine on any matter about it, yet you will stick your nose in the Georgia legislature's election reform laws. Can you explain to me the contrast? First, let me say that we do not make decisions on these host locations. We support and follow the athletes wherever they compete. Yeah, no, I've heard your talking points, and I'm tired of hearing them, Mr. Lawley. I'm asking you a simple question. Why is it that Coca-Cola will opine on Georgia's election laws, but not on the Genocide Olympics? As I stated, Georgia is our home. It's where most many of our employees are hit or live and work, and we are most engaged on public policy issues here in the U.S. But I think the, I think the are, answer is you're afraid are, of the Chinese Communist Party. You're afraid okay. of what they will do to your company if you say a single word, like, for instance, saying that both the Biden and the Trump administration are correct when they say that China is committing a genocide. So that questioning is pretty much how the rest of the session went. It was just back and forth between Cotton and Lolly, Mm -hmm. and Lolly just kept kind of promoting the the talking points, uh, and Cotton kept pressing, but but never really got a clear answer. Uh, So what's the left saying? Well, several corporations, nearly all of which espouse leftist political views, have remained totally silent on whether the Winter Olympics next year should be held in Beijing. Republican Representative Chris Smith, he was one of the lawmakers on the panel yesterday, he asked Airbnb, Coca-Cola, Intel, Visa, and Procter & Gamble uh, if the Winter Olympics uh, should be held in Beijing, uh, and all of them declined uh, to answer that question. Uh, We should note, Dan, that there was one Democrat, Representative Tom Malinowski, uh, he called out Airbnb's head of uh, Olympics partnerships uh, David Holyoke, for not being more outspoken about the Chinese government preventing Uyghurs from obtaining passports and ID cards that would allow them to travel and register for hotels. So Malinowski asked Holyoke to imagine 
there was a major sporting event in L.A., and he knew that California, this is hypothetical, was holding Jewish people, African-Americans, and LGBTQ folks in concentration camps. He then asked Holyoke if Airbnb would still sponsor that sporting (laughs) event. So the Airbnb rep said he didn't believe it was appropriate to weigh in on a hypothetical, uh, but reassured Malinowski that human rights is a core value. Malinowski said Airbnb would, of course, refuse to participate, saying it's, quote, absolutely plainly obvious uh, what your answer would be. So one social media user uh, said the length these business executives went to not say anything that could possibly upset Beijing was comical and profoundly sad. So what's the right saying? Well, like Senator Cotton, several Republicans condemned the corporations for their silence. On China, Cotton blasted each of the company representatives for being, quote, sent here with orders not to say anything that could offend the Chinese Communist Party. He called their collective testimonies pathetic and disgraceful. Uh, So why does it matter? I think the moral double double standard here, Dan, is just condemnable. Mm. Uh, If you're going to take issue with a law in the U.S. just because you're liberal, that's your prerogative, and that's fine for you to do. But it shouldn't be at all hard for you to speak out against inhumane and immoral actions happening in China, where you have a vested interest uh, against minority Muslims uh, and Christians uh, and just people in in general of all all stripes and all beliefs. It should not be a hard position to take, and yet uh, it is. Yeah, and it was like watching that, and he kept grilling him. And first of all, it would be nice if the press would would kind of because the press is supposed to be unbiased and say, all right, and Tim Russert used to be the best at this. He would say, what is the hardest question for this particular person to answer? I'm going to find it. And that just doesn't seem to happen. And so, you know, Cotton had to do it here and, um, and did put him there in a tough spot. And it shouldn't have been a tough spot though. As you said, I mean, how hard is it to say, well, you know what we, we do stand against use your leverage as a massive company the NBA, we've had yeah. the same criticism. Use your leverage as a massive company with influence in China to positively impact China. They get that concept here in America when they think there's something that they can weigh in on and help make a difference. They do, but then they don't with China. And that's that's really telling. Yeah, well, Cotton even made that observation. He, he the uh, Lolly said, well, you know, we're, we don't have a position, any sort of, you know, official position with the Olympic Committee. We can't actually make, you know, an exact decision on the location of the Olympics in 2022. And he said, I understand that, uh, but you do have leverage. Uh, You also didn't have a position on the Georgia legislature, yet you you opined on that. Uh, So use, like you said, Dan, I don't know why companies can't use their leverage and use the platform to put pressure uh, on on people. They do that all the time in politics in the United States. Uh, so why they can't do it with China, uh, you know, is a good question. One question that's probably not going to be answered for a while. Uh, yeah. well, let's head into story number three. Simone Biles, man, this has turned into quite the discussion here on social media. She's withdrawn again from the individual all-around competition, and she said it was to focus on mental health. Well, that was according to a statement from uh, USA Gymnastics uh, today. Uh, She'd remember she'd stepped away yesterday. We talked about it from team competition. That kind of stunned everybody. They didn't see that one coming. Uh, And initially they said it was a medical issue, but then it was discussed about mental health. And then um, they added that after further medical evaluation, Biles is withdrawn from the final individual all-around competition at the Tokyo Olympic Games in order to focus on her mental health. 
said Simone will continue to be evaluated daily to determine whether or not to participate in next week's individual event. Uh, Jade Carey, who had the ninth highest score in uh, qualifying, is going to take her place in the all-around. So um, she still has a chance to compete in some of the other individual events, but again, she's taking that day-to-day. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But one key component in this, Trey, they're talking about mental health issues that um, people are kind of overlooking a lot of them is as an NBC, one of their analysts explained that uh, when they were showing the video of her vault where she kind of stumbled, uh, they you could see where she doesn't know where she is. And so they call that losing your aerial awareness. And that is something that obviously can be very dangerous to a gymnast who's constantly jumping high in the air and flipping around at high speeds. Like if you lose where you're at, you could land on your neck wrong and, and really injure yourself, maybe, maybe even kill yourself. Um, so there is, if you're losing your aerial awareness, that is a, and that's something that she said she's kind of not dealt with before. So, you know, of course there's the stress and the pressure and all that. And I think some people are taking it wrong that she was just stressed and then she's, she's quitting. Right. And so, but that's not, doesn't seem to be the case at all. It seems to be that she doesn't have her awareness about her. And so, uh, she can't, she, she can't safely compete. And I think that's a, you know, seems like a very fair, um, I mean, I wouldn't want my daughter to continue flipping around if she didn't know where she was in the air. I mean, it would just be dangerous. Um, So, but here's where the controversy comes in. A couple of commentators, most notably Charlie Kirk, they were kind of quick to pile on Biles before the the facts were kind of coming in. And Kirk was the most harsh on this one. He said, we're raising a generation of weak people like Simone Biles. He said, it's got all these men- she's, uh, if she's got all these mental health problems, don't show up. He said, she's an incredible athlete. Of course, she's an incredible athlete. I'm not saying that. She's probably the greatest gymnast of all time. She's also very selfish. She's immature. And she's ashamed of the country. He said, you're representing your nation, you selfish so- sociopath. Um, because she had made a comment about how she, you know, she wanted to do it for herself, etc., I mean, those are just standard things that athletes say. So, you know, to, to have that kind of a reaction was uh, just seemed way over the top. Um, but it prompted major backlash. And NBA star Jason Tatum responded and said, it's hard. Is it that hard to be supportive and empathetic to what others are going through? This is someone's daughter and her health you're referring to. Wonder if he has kids or how, if how he would feel as a parent. Someone talking about his kids this way. Simone's a hero. So um, so why does this one matter? You know, this tray to me, the moral of the story here, this this is what happens when we take armchair commenting on social media or on podcasts just too far. You know, yeah. you don't know someone's full situation. You can't ever know it. You can make an educated opinion, fine. But as Christians, and Kirk, I believe, identifies as one, you, you don't want to be the one rushing to condemn somebody, especially that harshly, when you you don't know the whole story. You you can't know the whole story, right? You got a quote from Simone Biles. You can't possibly know all the things that she's dealing with. Um, you know, Ephesians 4.29 is the one I keep thinking about. I've been going through Ephesians recently. Uh, and it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And, um, you know, we're supposed to speak truth, but when we do it, we have to speak truth in love. And But uh, unfortunately, in these criticisms of Biles that are coming out, I, I don't really see much truth or love at all in this instance. So, um, yeah. you know, maybe controversial, maybe not. But that just seems to be uh, kind of where we're at on this one. Yeah, I just, 
we live in this cycle now where there's we've always got to be outraged by something. Uh, and for for people like Kirk, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of people, there's a whole host of people who are paid just to have opinions. Uh, they're paid to broadcast them on Fox and CNN and whatever. Uh, and I think there there starts to be this cycle in your head that you think, uh, you know, so much of your job and, and your job description is tied to getting attention and getting clicks and yeah. getting views. Uh, so there there's an incentive, right, to be more outrageous with your opinion. Mm-hmm. There's an incentive to be bolder and bolder and bo- like to, to ratchet it up all the time. Uh, and I think sometimes, not even sometimes, probably all the time, we have a propensity, anybody who's in the media, to, to forget that the people we're talking about and the people who we have such strong opinions about are people. Uh, and there's there's a human life and, and feelings and emotions on the other side of the comments that we're saying. There's someone who's receiving this and seeing it and hearing it. Uh, and as believers, Dan, I think you know you hit the nail on the head with Ephesians 4, uh, 29. It's just that, that we need to be extra careful because we have an even greater responsibility as believers uh, to, to see the people we're talking about as, as image bearers. And here's the thing, you know, Simone Biles is still an incredible athlete. This doesn't change the fact that she's an incredible athlete. Uh, what she's going through is very real just because it's not, you know, an injury physically on her body. If she's lost aerial awareness, like you're talking about, that's having real life uh, yeah. effects. So it's, you know, it's, it's, there's something tangibly wrong there, uh, even if you can't see it with your eyes. Uh, so, you know, I think we can be a little bit more nuanced in our opinion in our opinion there. And Hey, I'm still, still rooting for team USA and, and still rooting for Simone Biles. Hopefully she'll come back next week for the individual competitions. We'll see. Uh, but just as believers, I think we should need to, to be in prayer for her uh, and for the safety of all the athletes uh, over in Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And, and I think she's a Christian too. So uh, that makes it even yeah. more so uh, appropriate for Ephesians four. All right, story number four. So this one's a really good news story out of the Olympics. Uh, so uh, and I wanted to end today's podcast with a quick story because I know we've 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 run a little bit long with our stories uh, today. So South African Olympic swimmer uh, Tatjana Schoonmacher, she set a new record Wednesday in the women's 200 meter breaststroke, and she just barely missed setting a new world record too, by the way. Uh, but she's using her platform to point others to God. So underneath her green swim cap, I think that was probably the regulation. South African right. swim cap. Uh, underneath that one, Schoenmacher wore a white one uh, with a blue Jesus fish and the phrase Soli Deo Gloria, which means glory to God alone, uh, printed on the side of it. Uh, and she, there's a, the picture that Dan was talking about on our, our Faithwire Facebook page and it's on our Instagram account too at Faithwire. Uh, it looks like she's praying. It was right after she actually set this record for the 200 meter breaststroke. Uh, you can see her green cap coming off. It's about halfway off, and you can see the bottom of it. If you zoom in on the picture, you can look real close. You can see through the green and read it, uh, what, what the cap actually says. Uh, but she, she's been outspoken about her faith quite a bit on social media. This is what she wrote just a few days ago when she was heading to Tokyo. She said, Father God, may your will be done. May your peace fill us up. May we praise you no matter what the outcome. May we be empowered by your strength to give our all. And may we forever be in awe of your goodness. Uh, thank you for bringing us to this very moment. Uh, so and she she posts about her faith on her Instagram bio, her social media bio. She has a cross emoji and she says, all glory to God. Uh, and has posted Bible verses in her, her Instagram store before. So uh, it's just really cool, Dan, to see somebody uh, who is, who's using her platform uh, to to share the gospel and obviously not a, not a political story, just an inspiring one. Uh, 
as y'all know, I'm not a sports person, but it, it just is cool to see. It's really cool to see people like Schoonmacher uh, who are really at the pinnacle of success, right? But, but rather than gloating and, and kind of using it to, to put themselves on a pedestal, uh, she's using it to to give God glory and yeah. to, to point people to to Christ, which is which is awesome. Yeah, it's great to see that faith and uh, on display on the highest levels, and uh, we always love showing that at CBN and Faithwire. And I think you deserve a medal tray um, for pronouncing her last name. I don't know if you had to look that up on YouTube or something, but okay, well done, well done, because that's not how I would have pronounced it, and I figured you maybe looked it up. So no, uh, I, I would have got to. the I would have got the bronze on that one. I think <laughs> you get the gold. <laughs> the name I pronunciation. Went, I went and looked up a. Um, it was a, a a broadcast over in South Africa because I wanted to hear somebody actually who's <laughs> from from her country. She's from Johannesburg, so I wanted to hear someone who's actually yeah. there pronounce it. Because I would not have said Schoonmacher, but that's that's apparently how it's pronounced. <laughs> well, well done, well done. Gold medal. We'll see you on the podium a little bit later. So, <laughs> All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. As always, for more news from a distinctly Christian perspective, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for a daily visit. Also, subscribe to this podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. God bless. We will see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day. <laughs>